Welcome to the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi. Your life made simple. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi. I hope you guys are all doing wonderful. And guess what? Spring is just around the corner and one of our favorite times. It's a constitution moving season for, for in Ayurveda, you know, going into the different constitutions, different things pop up. So we'll be doing a podcast episode on that coming up as well. But on today's podcast, I want to welcome a very special guest that I have and somebody that resonates kind of with our mission. And this special guest is Heather Ivan. And Heather is a holistic practitioner teaching yoga, meditation, and Akashic reading. Yeah, that's right, Akashic reading for people that are interested. And I know people have expressed that in the past, so maybe we'll cover that as well. And she does that by combining innovative methods into a mentorship program tailored to assist the modern individual to reconnect with their higher self. She has been doing this for over 20 years and is a registered ERYT 500 teacher and has led over a thousand hours of yoga training across North America. She has taught alongside world-renowned teachers such as Tennis Fishman, Vanessa Ovens, and Tiffany Carroll. Heather, I want to welcome you to the podcast, and thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. Absolutely. So, Heather, I always like to ask my guests, we didn't land up just where we are. I didn't land up just doing what I am. You didn't land up doing what you are. What is the story? What got you to this point? What got you to the point to not only practice yoga, pursue yoga in a very dedicated passion and, and manner, it's, as you, you know, with that teaching and the classes that you've done, but also then turn it around and start helping other people through it. So just walk me through that story. I'm always interested to hear what, what, what led Heather to where she is today. Yeah, stories are, are a great way to connect both you and I and also with your audience. So I love, I love story questions. So I grew up in a Catholic um, upbringing. And so it was always spirituality was always introduced to me, but it was also in a form that didn't quite resonate with me. So I've always been by nature, a little bit of a curious individual and just wanted mm -hmm. to see if there's a way that the physical body could be more incorporated into this realm of, of at the time I called it religion, but then it, it developed, it moved into the realm of spirituality. Before I landed on um, Linda Sparrow's book, uh, the, the Essential Book for Women. So it was a self-taught practice for me. And then I moved into the yoga studio and my background was always some form of teaching. So I did a lot of coaching kids volleyball. I also was an outdoor recreation guide. And when I moved into the facet in the realm of yoga, it really drew me into the opportunity to teach from an introverted part of myself rather than from this extroverted essence. So that took a little bit of recalibration for me and it tapped into a lot of um, sensitivity and vulnerability. But it also, each time I moved into it, it felt more and more authentic and more and more real for me. So that was sort of how I, how I stepped into the realm of yoga. And then I've always been a teacher that has had a, a tiptoe in the spiritual realm when I taught right from day one, and it just went deeper and deeper. So there's some people that resonate and land with me because I do um, offer a spiritual aspect and philosophy aspect when I teach. And there's others that 
don't land with me because they're looking for more of an in-depth physical practice. So I learned long ago just to keep um, calibrating with what feels authentic and to let what needs to fall away, fall away so that what is meant to come in and create deeper community can. That's beautiful. It's like that Steve Jobs quote, you know, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only do it looking backwards and how all of that consequently kind of fit into your life and where you are now. So this book that you said, kind of you self-taught, may I ask what book that was? Yeah, it's a, it's a book by Linda Sparrow. And I think it's called The Women's Essential Guide okay. to Yoga. I think that's, okay. that's it's something, some reference to women's yoga. So at the time I was in my very masculine dominated side of myself. I was a, a forest fire fighter. Oh, wow. At no the same way. Time, I was with a repelling unit. So it was very like, I, I was kind of smurfette when I'd go out on tour because it'd be like me and maybe 70 or 80 guys at, on a fire base. But when you're waiting for a fire and you're in the repelling unit, you have to be within say a hundred meters of the machine at all times. So your, your day starts at eight and, and oftentimes ends at eight in the peak fire season. So anything that you can do within a hundred meters of the machine, you're, you're welcome to do, but you have to be that close to it. After day three or four, I was <laughs> very bored and done reading books. So that's when I was like, I think I want to dive into this a little bit more. And I just contacted a friend who recommended that book. And so it was self-taught. And then I, I started offering my version of teaching to the, to the guys that were in my crew. And then that fall, I went into a yoga teacher training in Victoria, BC here in Canada. So the first time I was actually in a yoga studio was when I took my teacher training. I'd never been in a yoga studio before. So that's yeah. amazing. Wow. So you were a forest fire, like you fought forest fighters. And then that kind of like, imagine just that balance, you know, you were in one side, you in order to stay in that one area, that's tranquil, but then you go out and, and it's not. So that tranquility, you really learned that from almost your intuition point of view from there, correct? And then you instilled it really further with this teaching. I think what, what sort of started to happen for me was because I was so heavy into the masculine side of myself, I started to have some physical challenges go along with that. So I noticed that my patience was very short. I even noticed that my period cycle was starting to decrease and almost stop because I was just so wow. in a testosterone realm. Most of the, the men even that I was dating at that time were, were very attracted to this masculine dominated side. You know, they wanted me to rock climb and, and do these adventure kayaking trips and all the rest of it. And then I met my, my husband who at the time was my boyfriend. And I remember the day when he was like, I love this part of you that's into all these outdoor adventures, but what I'm really falling in love with is the softer side of you. And that sort of got the courage going in me to see if I can foster this more feminine side of me that wanted to be more on the surface, more heard, but was really suppressed by all this extroverted energy that I had. And honestly, Goody, as soon as I started to lean into it, it was just like coming home. And I'm sure you've had that similar experience when you enter into something that just really aligns with what your soul feels its recognition in. And it just starts to create its own momentum and go from there. So absolutely. That, that's beautiful. And kudos to your to your husband now for supporting that, you know, yeah. and letting you know that because that that's great. That that's a really nice thing. Currently, it seems like the last normal year was 2019. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 2020, COVID, 2021, people say COVID part two, 2022, you know, with everything going on with the world affairs, Ukraine, Russia. You are very popular for having this foundation of this principle of how can we embrace change and use resistance as our ally. 
that really caught my attention when through your teachings and what you what you say resonates with that. You know, how can we embrace change? We have change all around us all the time. But how can we use resistance as our ally? With everything going on currently, and I think it can really help the audience, are there certain aspects of what we got and what's going on that, that you could really apply those principles to right now? Like what can people learn and how, and how can people use that resistance perhaps to change or use that resistance as a tool? And I'll tell you that in 2006, when my brother passed away, the resistance that I held back was the emotions and that resistance manifested as PTSD. When I resisted that, I didn't feel it. I didn't let myself grieve. And then six months later, when I actually had the intelligence and I was able to get get rid of everything I had, that's when I really can strongly, strongly say that, you know, most of the time, Mother Nature doesn't resist the change of seasons. Mm. You know, the rocks in the river don't resist the pressure of the water if it increases or decreases. I think us as humans have been so perhaps programmed or not necessarily educated or brought awareness to, to how to really feel through the energies and emotions. And perhaps you can kind of shed a little bit of light on that. I'll do what I can. I, I love your references to nature, though. Those are two um, beautiful visuals that you brought to the surface there. I love that. It kind of softened um, my whole demeanor when you when you expressed those. So thank you. Absolutely. The part that, that I think that started to really start to shift for me was um, coming into this recognition that when we choose to come into this body, there's two parts of ourselves. There's the part of ourself that is our being and that that is that how we show up and how we choose to come into this human form requires no stretching no strengthening no fixing just how we are is absolutely 100% whole perfect and in connection with consciousness and oneness and we call this our being our being self right and then there's this other part of ourself that's connected to our becoming this is why we incarnate because we want to grow. We want to experience contrast. We want to expand. And both of these parts of ourselves, both our being and our becoming are integrated within us. And the reality is, is that they don't mix. They don't get along. So in any given moment, we have this opportunity to choose, am I going to rest in my being or am I going to step into my becoming? And anyone that has a spiritual journey, I think many of us come to this, this point where there's almost this negativity that's connected to our wanting. So it's okay to want to be more wise. It's okay to want to gain more knowledge. It's okay to want to experience higher states of consciousness. But as soon as we want more money, as soon as we want um, more abundance, things that we would consider materialistic, there's this halting that takes place. And so we start to come in contrast with our, our part of ourselves that wants and the part of ourselves that thinks that wanting is bad or we vilify it in some way. So for myself, I started to really start to lean into what is it that resistance shows us? How does it present itself as opportunity? And how can I align and get on board with it? So the resistance part of ourself, and I love that you brought up nature, is that this is what separates us from nature, is that we have this ability to have choice point with resistance. Nature doesn't have that, that ability. A tree can't move into the realm of the unknown by growing its branches and question, mm, do I want to do this or do I not right. want to do this? That's right? beautiful. Right. It has no choice. The branches have to extend into the unknown. 
It's just how nature works. Whereas we get to ask those questions, do I want to do this or don't I, do I not want to do this? And the thing that's come very clear for me is that the, the part of ourself that does not want to do something, this is a very hard part to have logical reason with and rationale. It's connected to our subconscious mind, which, which is embedded into our primitive brain. And so it acts like a toddler. So yeah, I 90% of the time as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's tough. So it is tough. And negotiating, we all know that if, if a two-year-old wants a cookie and you're going to try and negotiate or, or rationalize with a two-year-old about why they can't have a cookie, it's too close to dinner, you've already had two cookies, you have all these logical reasons. All that's going to happen is that kid is going to get more and more determined. They're going to start to have a tantrum and they're going to end up with a, with a meltdown on the floor. Yep. Yep. You sound like you're talking from experience. I got a, I got a three-year-old. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a, I got a three-year-old and a, and almost a one-year-old. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Especially close to bedtime. <laughs> yeah. So then as a parent, what, what do we do? We, we choose to shift the attention in another direction. Do you want to read a book? Do you want to look out the, the front window and watch the garbage man go by and pick up the garbage cans? Whatever it is, but we take the attention and we shift it in another direction. So when we're working with resistance, this is the key component is that the story that's repeating in the resistance, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm going to fail. I've done this before. It didn't work. All of those resistance pieces that keep spinning on the hamster wheel, they get to be acknowledged 100%, but they don't get to drive the car, right? So yes, I see that you're showing up again, resistance. Gosh darn, every time I try and lean into abundance, here's the resistance telling me that I'm not worthy of it. I see you, but I'm going to take my my lens of my lighthouse and I'm going to turn it in this other direction and I'm going to see... The, the path of the new in which I want to lean into. Beautiful. And this is, this is the key point with resistance is that the degree to which the resistance is showing up in equal opposition is the degree to which the change is possible. This wow. is how energy works. Say, say that one more time. That was deep. Say that one more time, please. The degree to which resistance is presenting itself to you is the degree to which the opportunity or the change in wow. opposite and wow. energy is presenting itself to you. 100% agree. That clicked right there. When I was in my deep, deep stages of, of PTSD, I got to the point where the pain was too tough, where I was like, I have to make a change. And right as soon as I decided that, things started to change. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. And what you're introducing here is a very powerful concept of diversion. You know, the power to divert your mind away from maybe that resistance or whatever else. Because that is actually how we process and are able to move on from anything. As you said, where attention goes, energy flows, right? So if you're able to take your attention and remove it from the resistance to something else more productive, that's where the energy is going to go. So these are extremely powerful concepts that you're talking about. I think you've said it in a, in a different way that I haven't heard before. So I appreciate that. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's resonating for you. And hopefully um, some of your li listeners can also align with it. The thing is, is that we as a society are taught to, when we rub up against pain and uncomfortableness, we, we're taught to move away from it. And, and what resistance is asking us to do. So for example, if this is the other key piece, I'll, I'll bring this in and then I'm going to loop it back and tie it all back together. 
The best way to work with our resistance is to create an intention or in the yoga realm, how we refer to this is as sankalpa, a vow to the utmost self that is bigger and stronger than the resistance. So if I want to create a meditation practice and let's say my motivation, my intention for creating this meditation practice is because you know what, I've been doing this yoga thing for five years and it just seems to be the next thing that people do when they do yoga, they start to move into meditation. If that's the the degree to which my intention is set, that meh, feels like the next the next thing I should do. The foundation is very rocky. It's very sandy. So that resistance, when it comes in, it knows it doesn't have to do very much at all because it's like, she is really not interested in this change. So you know what? I'm just going to say, oh, you're too tired. And then I hear that, oh, I'm too tired. And then easily the resistance ends up being bigger than my intention. So my change then disintegrates right? But if I'm working on meditation and I'm like, you know what? I know that if I start to implement a daily meditation practice, I'm going to be more centered. I'm going to be more aligned with my authentic self. And I know that my medicine is going to start to reach more people. That's a very powerful intention. So when I start to create the consistency with meditating each day, initially resistance will come in and be like, meh, you're too tired. And my intention's like, no way. I'm bigger than that. I'm doing this anyways. And so then resistance starts to wake up a little bit. And it's like, she's not listening to these little minor cues <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm giving to her. So then it starts to like stretch itself and pump itself and it starts to go bigger. Oh, really? You think you can make a difference in global humanity? Really? You think that you have something to offer that people want to listen to? The resistance starts to get bigger and bigger. And most of us, when that resistance starts to get bigger... That's our indicator to stop. And what I'm here to share today is that's your recognition to keep going. When resistance gets big, it means you're closer to transformation. It means you're closer to change. So keep going. So then I go, heck yeah, no, I actually do have something to offer. I do have something to share. And you know what? I'm going to keep going. And resistance will keep fighting change until it recognizes that it has to evolve and step up and it dissolves away and the intention takes over and you're in the new paradigm, the new you. So many times we do do that, that you are up against a wall. And I say this to a lot of people, like you are your worst enemy. You know, we are our worst enemy. Like people say, okay, but he said this, but he said this. I was like, who do you, I asked this question, who do you spend the most amount of time with in the day? And it's kind of a tricky question, but it's not. Some people say, well, my coworkers, my wife, my husband, my kids, even more than that. Like, what do you mean? Like you spend the most amount of time with yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that you live in your own head. Don't you want that place to be sacred? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to protect that? And the second question I ask is, would you be friends with that person if they could hear you or if that was a real person? And a lot of times they're like, no, not at all. And when that's the case, they're like, wow, they get it. They really yeah. get it. It's powerful, but that resistance explanation is amazing. Well, and then we start to see it as our ally, right? We start to right. see it as like, oh, you're kicking up a storm. You're getting more intense. Yeah. Oh, well, that's making me sit up straight and recognize like there, there's something going on here. You're getting real nervous. Otherwise, you wouldn't be so irritated. Right. I strongly believe that 
you know, when you are pushed up against that wall that, like you were saying, go through it. Be bigger than that voice. And it's amazing because that is the exact message I wanted to kind of talk about and, and get into this podcast. So I'm truly grateful for you sharing that. I also know that you offer programs, you offer other things to help people. So can we talk a little bit about those and where people can learn about those? I'm sure my audience after listening to this conversation would love to be interested in that. My biggest sort of key offering that I have is a four month long mentorship program. It's called Unlocking You. The foundations that we look at in that that time together is intention and resistance, boundaries, rest and meditation. And that is for individuals that are looking to align more with their soul's purpose and be able to stay on track regardless of what's trying to sway them. So it's setting like the the foundational principles to be connected to your core. If this airs before April, I do have a group program offered in that realm starting April 13th. And the private program of that is available all year round. So you can contact anytime for that. But to those listeners that just want to get a little bit more Heather, a little bit more experience of me without feeling like they need to commit to anything on my website, which is um, heatherivany.com, that has like a little button on the homepage that links people into what I call the spiritual reset. And it's just a seven day email drip just to help to pull from distraction back into focus. And everything that I offer is infused with the Akashic Records. So I'm not sure if you have time to to dive into that for a few minutes or if you want to... Yes, let's do that. Okay. So the Akashic Records, Akasha means spirit. It's a Sanskrit word, which means spirit. And so each of our souls has basically think of it like a GPS signal or a radio frequency. And the imprint of our souls contains all of our lifetimes, all of our parallel universes, all of our thoughts, our deeds, any dimensions that we've explored in. And when you open up the Akashic Records, you dial in specifically to someone's soul, so their own frequency. And how I work specifically with the Akashic Records is tuning into the present moment and accessing information that helps people to identify and understand what their soul's purpose is in this lifetime and how they can work to align with it more fully. So I use that in the four month long mentorship program, but I also just use it separately in Akashic sessions. And then part of this like empowerment piece is that we are no longer in a realm where the accessibility to these dimensional realms are reserved for the mystics, the priests, the higher leaders, if you will, they are accessible to all of us. So I teach Akashic record training sessions to show people how they can read their own records, how they can read other people's records, and use it either as, a, as their own business or to infuse it with the current business that they have to help to augment it and, and make it more um, easeful in a sense. So I have a real estate agent that uses the Akashic Records to help sell houses. That's yeah. amazing. Just going deeper into that, um, did, did he or she first align with themselves, kind of what the soul wanted? Or, and then, or do, do they use certain tools to help that business? That's really interesting to me. I think I know what you're asking. Let me know if I answer it though, okay? So how someone would use that to sell houses is that not not only is it every person that has an Akashic Records, but plants and animals also have Akashic Records and so do businesses and so do properties. So if someone's a real estate agent and they're trying to sell a house, they can do what's called like an Akashic Clearing 
of the house so that the energy vibration is is a higher vibration so that when people come to the house it it's inspiring and they want to be um in that space so it love helps it. her to move houses yeah. more quickly love yeah. it like ayurveda and prana and, and 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 all that okay that's that's yeah absolutely yeah yeah so you could take the akashic records and you could when you're doing consultations with clients for ayurveda you're infusing the Akashic records to come into the consultation so that you're, you're able to understand more clearly why perhaps their dosha might be out of balance. Yeah. What's absolutely. out of balance. Absolutely. Yeah. And really go to the beyond the subconscious, the super subconscious level and really yeah. learn that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, yeah. Heather. One more thing that, that I would love to kind of touch up on is everything has energetic form to it, or everything we do, right? From what you were saying earlier to yoga. And I think in today's times, what's really interesting is that we are so distracted. We are so extremely distracted with so much things coming in as just, I forgot to turn off a notification, as you can tell, and a call came in. But I always advise people that one of the simplest things you can do is make some time for yourself every single evening where it's just you put your phone away and just go within. Do you have a nighttime ritual or a morning ritual that you that you do that's a non-negotiable for you it's kind of like an all-day non-negotiable for me i think that as people were no longer satiated with like an hour of it or five minutes of it like like people are really hungry for that euphoric feeling that they get in a meditation or a yoga class to infuse into the whole day and not just be this 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 moment in a day and then the rest of my day is chaotic and stress. So for me, it's, it's nano moments all day long. It starts with, I, I wake up first thing in the morning. And before I get out of bed, I internally repeat my intention three times. Wow. And then um, I start my day an hour just to myself. So whether that's doing, usually it's exercise, I'll go in and do some form of exercise in the morning. And then it's setting the tone for when I'm getting the kids ready for school. So I, I like candles. I have little ceremonies that I do. I, I, I have music that is um, going to suit. I have teenagers and kindergarten in my house. So I have music to just keep all the temperaments from, from conflicting with each other so that we can get out the door and in a peaceful manner. And that to me, honestly, is the biggest win in my whole day. If we can all get out of the house without yelling and screaming. I hear you. It really sets like a hell yeah for my day when, when, when we can have that sort of a success, that nano win. Even when I'm working with clients during the day, I have pauses between clients. So I, I do my very best. I don't book back to back. So that I have about 10 minutes after a client ends to just sort of process and, and go through what worked and what could be improved upon. I get a few minutes for myself and then I, I take my, my few minutes before I connect with who I'm meeting with next. So for even today in our, in our interview, I took a few moments before we started just to connect you and I through the ethers and just ask that any contracts, deals, or agreements that are not serving our highest and greatest good can just be released so that we can come into um, community without friction. Love so that. just these little mini nano wins during the day. And then my evening is, is probably more focused on making sure that I'm um, being disciplined with getting to bed at, at, at an early time, because I know myself well enough to know that uh, lack of sleep is my first way to get off center. And usually the way that I um, end up feeling the most shame. 
As per Ayurveda, you know, it's super important. We enter different cycles, different constitution cycles throughout the day. So beyond 10 p.m., especially for the vatas, if you go beyond 10 p.m., your vata creative mind's going to be up and that's why you'll have a hard time falling asleep. So it's really important to kind of know that as well. 10 p.m. is an ideal bedtime mm. as per Ayurveda as well. You know, it's before the cleansing, all the important stuff comes. And so, yeah, I appreciate you for sharing that nighttime and, and kind of your daily non-negotiable. You know, I think music has an amazing power to do that. I learned that a lot from if you've ever attended a Tony Robbins seminar, an in-person one. They're fantastic. He uses music, he uses movement a lot. So it's just amazing to do that. Heather, this has been amazing. I mean, it's, I don't know if people can tell or not, but it doesn't feel like we, this is the first time we're connecting. Yeah. It feels like we've had conversations before and perhaps we have, but I just want to say thank you so much. We're going to have all your website stuff, all your programs, everything that you offer, the one-on-one, even the, the email drip information for everybody to go and check out because we want to, we want to send people there. Is there anything else that you want the listeners to know about you or just in general? I think just the one piece is, is have someone in your corner that's willing to point out your blind spots. I think that that's a big piece is that we we have a hard time seeing our own blind spots. So whether that's a coach or a teacher or your, your partner or your best friend, just have someone who's willing to point out your blind spots. And it just really helps to keep us on the trajectory that we're moving into. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you for blessing us with your knowledge and for everybody. I always tell my listeners, you know, like I've learned so much, but the best thing to do is not just listen, to go and apply. If there's a a golden nugget that you can take from here, go and run with it. Go and apply it in your life. That's when the real change happens. Listening is great. It'll make you feel good, but the action is important. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. The action is super important and needed. So thank you, Heather. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Balance Being Podcast with Guni Sodi. I wish you the best of health. Take care. We hope this episode helped make your life simple. It would mean the absolute world to us if you share, subscribe, and let others know about the work we do here. Thank you. And join us next week on the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi.